James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. And you humble, accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Let's pray as we start the service today. Heavenly Father, we are just thankful uh, for all that you do for us. Lord, thankful for a great day yesterday uh, at the car show and craft fair. Lord, uh, thankful for the connections that we were able to make. And uh, Father, we just thank you for uh, the blessing uh, this morning and uh, the testimony from Greg Walker at a men's breakfast. And pray that you just continue to move, that your spirit just moves in our hearts uh, today as only... Uh, you can allow it to. And so, Father, uh, as uh, we sing, as we worship you uh, through music and through the word today as it's preached, uh, Lord, I pray that you be honored and glorified in all that is said and done. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Crossroads. I want to add my welcome to that of Heath. Uh, and uh, also, just to let you know, we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting by way of watching us online this morning, you're welcome as well. For those of us that are here in the physical sense, good to see you. I want to encourage you, if you're visiting with us, perhaps right there, maybe a chair just right in front of you, in the back of that chair is a little connect card. If you'll fill that out and let us know that you're here, we would be grateful to know about you visiting with us today. And in just a little while, when we pass the offering basket around, you can put that card in there and make, uh, make us aware that you are here with us. Just a few announcements to let you know of. Of course, uh, uh, coming up tonight, we will have our Disciple Life uh, program, so be sure to keep note of that. At 5 o'clock, we're going to have our Dominican trip team meeting. And we have, last week we had two slots left. This week we have one slot left. All right, going, going, gone. They're going like hotcakes. All right, so we have one spot left, and I don't know who that's for. Uh, that's going to get to go with us, but uh, please let me know if you're interested. We'd love to have you do that. Coming up at the end of this month, I can't believe we're in October already. Oh my goodness. Uh, trunk or treat will be happening. So if you want to help with that, there are some sign-up sheets at the entrances. Please fill those out and help us take care of our children's outreach program. Speaking of children, next Sunday, uh, right after the service, we're going to have kind of an open house. And uh, there's been a lot of things even over the last three or four months that have been going on in the way of uh, painting and cleaning and reorganizing. And if you kind of wonder what the children are doing when we're in worship uh, after the service next Sunday, we're going to walk you through their area and you'll see it. Now, I'm a little hesitant to do that because some of you, after we do that, you may decide, well, I'm just going to go to the children's stuff on Sunday during worship time because you're going to see some pretty exciting things. Uh, but that'll be uh, coming up next Sunday. Operation Christmas Child is underway. Again, a lot of things going on in the life of our church. I hope you'll pick up one of these half sheets uh, so that you can uh, keep up with some of those things. And our new members class. I know we've had a lot of folks visiting. Many of you have said, how do I become a part of Crossroads? Uh, beginning in November, which is coming up very shortly, uh, the first three Sundays of November during our small group time on Sunday morning, we will be going through for three weeks kind of telling you about our church and how you can get plugged in. And uh, more than you'll hear from a one hour or two hour Sunday morning time, we'll get you to, you'll be able to ask questions. And so I know there's some of you that are interested in that. If you are, please let me know and we'll get you plugged into that. Uh, our own Teresa Lipscomb has an announcement. So where are you, Miss Teresa? Come on out here and tell us what's on your heart. You know, I figured out yesterday, because I was listening to his, um, as he went around talking to everybody, I sound like a banjo chicken. I am so sorry about that. But um, October, as most of you know, is Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, I, I have to tell you, 2020 has been kind of scary. We've had COVID. We've had uh, hatred. We have had um, killer hornets. We have had um, hurricanes, and I think Godzilla is scheduled for November. I don't know that for a fact. But anyway, during all of this, our pastors have stood in the gap for us. When we were afraid, absolutely. 
Absolutely. When we were afraid or unsure, they were right there with us. They were praying for us. They were praying with us. They were laughing with us. They were encouraging. And probably they had the same thoughts and the scares that we had. So this month is, like I said, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. We've got cards back there if you don't want to go out and, uh, and purchase any. We've got, we've got cards back there for you to fill out. Please tell Pastor Jim, Kayla, Heath, Joey, and Jack how much you love them and how much you appreciate them. Thank you. We appreciate you all. We're honored to be able to, to serve. Speaking of serving, yesterday we had a phenomenal day. I mean, that was my first rodeo. Well, first car show. It wasn't a rodeo. We, were, we had plenty of horses. They were just under the hoods of vehicles that were here. That's for sure. Hey, it was a great day. We had a lot of people from the community come. If you participated at all, either praying or you were here yesterday helping serve in any way, or you just came, will you just stand up? Just stand up for just a minute. Real quick, real quick. I know you don't want to be, you don't have to be shy. Thank you. Can we give these folks a big hand? A lot, lot of work yesterday. Great job. Thank you so much. And i got to say thank you to Teresa and Michael for uh, helping us organize that. Uh, I think at last check they were right at 100 or just over 100 cars that were here. A lot of people from the community visiting. And, of course, incredible in here with the, with the craft show. Uh, a lot of boosts. A lot of great comments. A lot of great conversations. And uh, just a quick reminder why we do things like that, church. We do things like that to be the light of Jesus Christ. We do things like that to build relationships with people in our community who don't know Jesus, who would never come into a service like this. And I know I can't speak for the rest of my friends that were walking around, some of you serving yesterday, but I had two or three just incredible conversations with people who are looking for a church home or who are not plugged in, and that's what yesterday was all about. So we had a, one of my friends kind of sneak over here yesterday. He didn't get in to do any video of the, of the craft fair, unfortunately, but he did get some video of outside. And so I want you to see what this church was a part of in the community yesterday. Let's watch this short video and you'll see what yesterday. That's just a small sample. When, uh, when the gentleman was here, some of the cars were already had, le- had to leave. And uh, you just add several more things going on during that time. And it, it was wild around here. And it was a great, crazy wild. Ushers, if you would at this time, if you'll come on down, let's have a prayer together. And we know that God's going to use the gift and the giver as the word of God will be spread throughout our community and our world. Let's have a prayer together. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. Even in the craziness of of a wonderful day as yesterday. Father, I thank you for moving in the people's lives that were here to help. And Father, those that participated, I pray that they would have seen the love of Jesus. Today, I pray, Father, that everyone viewing our services and everyone that's present, I pray that they would see, they would hear, and they would sense the love of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would, again, use the gift. Use the giver today as your word will be spread not only in our community and state, but throughout the world. We pray this in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen.
over here trying to figure out the name of the song they were playing. Beautiful one, for goodness sake. I just like, and then Teresa turned around and said, what's they were talking about? What's this? I said, I don't have a clue. So anyway, isn't it great that we have great musicians to play? Great, great, great. Let's stand together as we sing wonderful songs of the church today. All hail the power of Jesus' name. What a beautiful name. And then there is something about the name of Jesus. All right, let's sing out. What a powerful name it is, the name. 
life again. We're going to sing that again. I'm going to tell you, sometimes we let go. Uh, Jack and I were talking about worship this morning, and I, I just feel like sometimes we hold back and we don't let go. What if one Sunday we just let go and let God take control? Whether it's singing, whether it's in our giving, whether it's in our praying, whether it's in the preaching of the word, what if we were to let go? I pray today that, first of all, I would let go and let God. And I pray, secondly, that you would let go and let God. Let God have his way. Let's sing this again. Jesus, Jesus, for I'm here to testify there is something about that name. And no matter what you face in this life, I'm talking about no matter what it is, Jesus will see you through. So let's sing this worshipfully right now again before Jack comes up and preaches. Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. Let's sing it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Joey and worship team, thank you so much. I think I've said this before, but over the last year, uh, since being with you, I can't remember how many times I've said it, probably not enough, so I'll say it again. Uh, You have freedom to worship. I wish we could have a snapshot with just a few of you holding your hands, because I'm sure if it got out in the convention or in the community, they would be saying, oh Lord, Crossroads has done gone Pentecostal. They done gone charismatic. We sometimes let the charismatic steal worship and the joy of the Lord from us for fear of us experiencing something weird and crazy. Hey, it's okay. If it's God motivated and you're wanting to express your worship to God, uh, I want to give you the freedom to do that. Last week, I got to say thank you as well to... uh, to Joey, I'm so grateful for the team that we have here at Crossroads. And last week, if you missed it, I encourage you to go home uh, this afternoon and watch it. Uh, he preached about worship. We thought we were going to be returning. Uh, the few days prior from being in Malawi, Africa. And so I had asked him, knowing what we were going to experience in worship there, I said, I want you to share about worship when we get back. And so he may be sharing again once we come back. And we're going in the spring, by the way. If anybody's wanting to go to Malawi, Africa, we have some slots available that are just your size, that are just your size. Hey, I don't know about you, but we are starting a series this morning called Why, W-H-Y. We're starting a series this morning. And I saw this meme uh, online this week. Good morning, America. What are we offended by today? Because it seems like we are in a culture where we are offended by almost everything. I, like you, watched, and I mean this with no disrespect, but it is what it is. I, like you, watched this week the two kindergartners on television. And uh, 
I laughed for a brief moment and then my heart was very sorrowful and sad because I think about the teenagers and the young people and the children in our church and in our community, in our world that are going to inherit the next four or eight years of decision making that is made from the leadership of our world. And uh, I got really sorrowful. And then I had all ranges of emotions. I got a little upset. I'm glad I didn't watch it. I actually was in the car driving, returning from speaking in North Carolina. I was listening on the radio. And I started to sense this uh, anger boiling up inside of me. And I don't know if, uh, wives, if your husband does this during sports where you start seeing them throw stuff at the television or they're talking to the players as if they can hear them supernaturally through the television screen to call the plays on the field. But sometimes my reaction is not very healthy and I started asking myself a series of questions. I thought, how can we, especially as believers, respond to what we see in our culture right now? How can we, uh, how should we respond even in our cultural climate? How should I respond to others who have a different belief system than I do? Because there are a range of beliefs out there in our world right now. Some, we would say today, are ludicrous when you compare them to what the Bible says. How should we respond to those who even vote differently than us? And we may go back and edit some of what I'm saying this morning before we put it up on the live stream because I really want to talk specifically to us as Crossroads Church this morning. And I just want to say to you, dear friends, there are, as much as you and I may question it, believers on both sides of the political aisle. You may wrestle with that, I may wrestle with that, but it's a fact. And what we can sometimes do is we can perhaps make such a big deal about our vote being the ultimate sign of our belief system. The election only happens once, presidential election, once every four years. Oh, that we would with as much passion share about Jesus in a non-election year as we try to during the election year. And sometimes the way that we try to share Jesus, I would say this morning, are not very helpful ways especially what I see happening during election year. So how should we respond? The writer James has a great word for us this morning. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. And Olivia read those for us. They're on the screen. You can follow along. Here's what James tells us. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear. Slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Some great words. I love the book of James. Maybe at some time we'll go through the book of James as a church family. Because even in chapter 1... Many of you know this, James starts off chapter 1 and he talks about joy and trials and perseverance through trials and tribulations of life. That's pretty appropriate for what we're facing today. He talks about all the good and perfect gifts that come down from the Father of lights. He says a few verses earlier, if any man lacks wisdom, ask of God and he will give it freely. And then he turns his conversation to communication and he says... A few things to us that can help us answer that question. How should we communicate? And the first one you see there is be swift to hear. Be swift to hear. You, you all know that I like to ask questions when I read Scripture. And so when I read in verse 19 about being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, my first question, especially after recent weeks and watching things on television, is, well, how can I be slow to anger? And James basically says you can be slow to anger by being swift to hear and slow to speak. And so the first one he says is we have to be swift to hear. Well, how, how do you do that? I mean, what, is, what does that look like? It, it, it looks much different than the, the self-centered things that we see happening in our world. How can we be swift to hear? It's being swift to hear is being others-centered and not ourselves-centered. What I'm discovering in my life as I get older is if you really want wisdom, 
be quiet and listen. I like going to coffee shops and sitting in restaurants and sometimes if I'm by myself and you just listen, you learn a lot. I remember sitting in a coffee shop right over here in Five Forks and hearing some church members from another church talking about their pastor. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't Crossroads. But I listened and I learned a lot. Can I just tell you, people in our culture, especially those that don't know Jesus, they're listening. They're listening to what we say, perhaps more than we are doing the listening. And James is telling us here, if we want to have wisdom, if we want to be able to communicate, if we want to not respond with unrighteous anger, we have to be swift to hear. Somebody was speaking to me once and they said, I know you're listening, but do you hear me? They're different. They're different. And I, I love the fact that James here, there's this tandem of quick and slow. Because there's some things that take time. There's some, learning is a slow process. But here, James uses the word swift or quick in some translations. Being quick to hear. Quick listeners and slow commentators. If we have ever lived in a culture where the exact opposite is happening, it's right now. We have swift commentators and people who are not listening a whole lot. Sometimes they'll listen actually to a very little bit and they will come up with their own conclusion of all the things that have to do with whatever that is and then they will commentate on it. It's interesting, you watch any of these debates, whether it's the presidential debates or other debates that are going on and more that are going to be coming, and I can't quite figure out how a, a debate may last for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, but the commentators on it can talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like, well, the whole speech wasn't that long. What in the world are you commentating on? We live in a crazy culture, and so James is saying, number one, we've got to be swift to hear. But then he says, number two, we have to be slow to speak. When I read that, I thought, okay, for me personally... Jack, what, why is it that you are sometimes slow to speak? I'll be honest with you this morning. Sometimes I'm slow to speak because it's, it's easy for us to want to act like we have an answer. So we just start talking. We laugh at some of the things we see on TV with some of those uh, elected or soon-to-be-elected officials, and we point our finger and we shake our heads at some of it, but we do the same thing. So we have to learn to be slow to speak. Somebody said it this way. Has nature not taught us the same thing that the apostle here is saying by giving us two ears and those are open, but one tongue that is hedged between teeth and lips? My grandfather used to say it a little bit simpler. You got two ears and one mouth, boy. It's a hint. You got two ears and one mouth. So you should listen twice as much as you speak. But we sometimes struggle when it comes to being slow to speak. I think another reason we do is not just because we want to give an answer, but because a lot of times we think we have the answer. We're very opinionated. I don't try not to live too much on social media, and Twitter is probably one of the least social media platforms that I'm a part of. But I was on that this past week, and I think I was sharing with Heath or Joey this week, I saw a young girl responding to somebody that I would say is a Christian because as I read through their tweets and the things that they had sent out, there was a lot of Christianese that was in there. But apparently they began to attack this young lady. I didn't, I didn't know who she was. And so I just chimed in there thinking, okay, she's not even going to acknowledge me because we're not friends and she's got X thousand number of Twitter followers and I'm a nobody. But I just chimed in and I said, hey, just so you know, some of these people that are speaking, professing to be Christians are not speaking for this Christian. Because they were attacking this young lady. And most of them probably didn't know her. And she tweeted back to me, private messaged me or however that works in Twitter, and she said, well, I'm not sure that 
that the God that you serve would really love my trans child, transgender child, or me. And we started back in this conversation, and it was very calm. And I told her, let me tell you about the God that I know. And in the midst of trying to communicate, there were other noisy voices chiming in about their God. I've said this several times from the, from the pulpit, friends, and I think our church does pretty good, but just a reminder, we can absolutely destroy any Christian testimony we have by the way that we speak. Our lives, the way we live and the way we act, yes, that's paramount and that's important. But if the actions don't match the words, people don't care. My heart breaks for unbelievers who are watching a myriad of Christians who at least are saying that we're Christians and we're bombasting things on social media. And unfortunately, let me, let me remind you, the only perspective they have of you as a believer is your social media post or your snapshot unless you are willing to invest in their lives every single day of the week. By the way, that's called discipleship. Being willing to invest in somebody ongoing. It's easy to take our stance because we do have opinions. And I would say that our opinions are based on fact, for the most part, the fact and authority of God's Word, and that's great. But we can't use our speech to take the Word of God, especially in the culture in which we live today, and slam people over the head. You won't win them to Christ. Trust me. I've made that mistake. All you do is push them further away. I've mentioned another friend of mine that's on Twitter. We've had this conversation. He, he is a Christian, I do believe. He really is a genuine Christian. He went to the university. He thought he was going to be in ministry. He had a bad experience with the church. And now he's decided he wants to change his identity, his sexual identity. And you may go, how does that happen? Well, he wasn't raised in a Christian home. Can I, let me give you a news flash. You can do the best job you can do as a parent. You can teach the Word of God. You can pray. You can do everything that you want to do for your kids. But at the end of the day, they are responsible to God Himself. And as much as those of us who have kids that we would love to put in a box and put them between guardrails and take them through to the end of their life, you and I can't do that. So let's not say at the church, sometimes it is the parent's fault, but not all the time. So we have to be careful as a church to pigeonhole people, not to pigeonhole people, and think, well, just because this young lady who sent out this tweet that she has a trans child, she must have had a bad childhood. Her mom and dad must have dropped the ball. What if her mom and dad were a preacher and a preacher's wife? What would you say? I have a lot of pastor friends whose kids have gone off the deep end, and I would say as a new pastor here in this church, pray for my kids. They're doing good. They're doing great. They love the Lord. They know Jesus. But they're a target. Why are they a target? Because they're preacher's kids. That's why they're a target. Guess what? So are your kids. They're targets too. And your grandkids. We've got to be slow to speak. I wish I could wave a magic wand and change the perception of culture. Especially the younger culture that would, would change their mind on, well, the church is just opinionated. We have our stance. I'm not, don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying we water down the gospel. I'm not saying we water down scripture. I'm not saying we move from, our, from the line in the sand that we've drawn on our beliefs. What I'm saying is we learn how to communicate it in a way that is received. Jesus was the master teacher. He was the master communicator. Folks, I've been communicating for 30 years and i got a long way to go. I am no expert when it comes to communication. I mess up all the time. When Jesus went down, we saw this on video not too long ago here on, in, this, in this room on the screen, a, a kind of a depiction of what happened, a video called The Chosen, where we saw, saw and the Scripture teaches us that when Jesus went down to the seashore and he called Peter and some of the disciples, he started talking about fishing. Why? Because they were fishermen. What a novel idea. He found a connection where they would kind of lower their guard and he began to have this discussion. Well, throw your nets on the other side. We've got to be slow to speak. But then James goes on, he says, we've got to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. 
What keeps me from being slow to anger? There is a tendency in our world, and I would say a tendency among a lot of believers, hopefully we don't fall into this category, but there's a tendency to grow angry with people who don't know the truth, or they don't see the truth, or they don't believe the truth, and we start to get angry. What good would it be for you and I to get angry at a blind person because they cannot see? We would do no good. We have to pray for them that the Spirit of God will come upon them and minister them and use people and circumstances and everything in the Spirit's power to convict them and make their heart open and ready to hear the gospel. And until the Holy Spirit of God does that, our work is just in vain. We're supposed to keep trying. But there's no reason for us to get angry. James says this, he says, For the anger of man... He gives us the reason why we shouldn't get angry. Verse 20, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. There is such a heat of contention in our world right now. And it's very easy in our patriotic stance. We've talked about this before as a church. I'm a patriot. I love this country. But that does not negate who should be more important. Jesus should be more important. And sometimes in our, in our love for this country, we can come across and create this heat of contention with people. And when that heat of contention is there, we're never going to be able to communicate. You know, if you, if you take speech class in school, in high school or college, they talk about this thing called the power of persuasion. And again, Jesus was the ultimate teacher. He used that a lot. I mean, look throughout the Gospels, all his conversations. Persuasion is not a bad thing. Persuasion is helping some, somebody come to the realization of truth in a way that they're open to hearing. That's persuasion. So we can't do it in our anger. You say, well, that, they made me angry. That person made me angry. Or that TV made me angry. I should, just, I should just do that as a last resort, right? I can be angry as a last resort. No. According to the Scripture, No. Paul said, in your anger, don't sin, Ephesians 4.26. He said in Colossians chapter 3, don't let the sun go down on your anger. See, angry speech is a part of the temptation that we have to seek vengeance. And really, it's, it comes from a motive of self sometimes. And the motive is, so I can prove that I'm right. And that you're wrong. I had a friend of mine who is not a believer, years ago asked me this question. He doesn't know this, but when I got in the car and I drove away from our meeting, I started crying like a baby. Here was the question. He said, are you more concerned with being right or having a relationship with me? It's a hard question. Because on the one hand, I want to be right. On the other hand, I don't want to lose this relationship. Because I may be, as the cliche says, the only Jesus that this particular friend gets to see. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be right. But here's the reality. If you know you're right and the Word of God says you're right, is that not enough? Know that you're right and the Word of God is right. Jesus is right. Yes, we want people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Yes, we want people to come to, to understand that this book is our book of instruction and guidance. And it, will, it is the, the way to lead us not to sin, David says. It's a word into our feet and a lamp into our pathway. We know all that. But the way that we communicate it will never work if we use anger. He says, slow to wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Our wrath most times, and I want to encourage you to do this. I'm starting to do this last week when I started studying this passage. I'm going to keep a little notebook. You can hold me accountable. When I get angry, how many times when I get angry does my wrath simply defend or promote my own personal agenda? 
So far, there's a lot of hash marks when I've been trying to promote my own agenda. And I've let anger take over. Doesn't mean it's a bad agenda, but my own agenda. And I'm discovering that human anger will inhibit the ability to build relationships. Nobody wants to talk to an angry person. We saw it on display this past week. We saw a moderator trying to get control of two angry people. What a sad day. What a sad day. You say, well, Jack, what, what, then what do we do? How, how, do we, how do we do it? How do we communicate? How do we use this power of persuasion? Here's the first thing. Put off and put away. Put off and put away. He says in verse 21, Therefore put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Put off and put away. It's the same analogy. If you go back and study the original language, it's the same analogy where Isaiah says, where Isaiah talks about our righteousness being as filthy rags. It's almost he's talking about clothing. You have to put off your anger. You have to take off your anger and put it away. I love that analogy because he says it's filthy. All that remains of wickedness, put off and put away. He's telling us something there. He's telling us that those evil practices and behaviors, don't miss this, have then been acquired. Does this make sense? In other words, yes, we all were born into sin, but along life's pathway, we acquired and we put on other filthiness. The devil made me do it. The old Flip Wilson, some of you guys will remember way, way back when used to say it. Yeah, the devil made us do it in a sense of that we're born in sin because we're sinners, because of the fall of man in Genesis. But the truth of the matter is, as we are going through life without a relationship with Jesus, most especially, we are continually put on and clothe ourselves in filthiness and things that do not help. And James is saying, Put off and put those things away. It's a concrete term, just like the filthy rags Isaiah tells us about in Isaiah 64. We've got to be willing to put those off and put those away. But the second thing that he tells us is we have to put on. If we're putting off something, then what are we putting on? And he's going to tell us in just a minute. You know, I I wish nobody explained this to me when I first came to Christ and after you come to know Jesus, you realize that you're a sinner saved by grace. You put your complete trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And you know that he is raised from the dead and he's returning for you. At that point that you confess Jesus is your Lord and start living for him. Along that journey called sanctification, that's the big fancy word. I used to think that that one point in time where you came to Jesus moving forward, well, it was just kind of automatic. Right? I mean, I surrender my life to Jesus and then all these automatically, all the good stuff starts coming on and all the bad stuff starts going off. It's not what the scripture teaches. Jesus says you must take up your cross daily. You have to daily put off things that are not going to help you live for God and put on things that will help you live for God. We must repent. We have to admit when we do wrong and confess when we do wrong. Then he says in rest of that verse, he says, In humility, receive the word implanted. The third thing we have to do is receive the word implanted. So in other words, it's not just enough to put off and eliminate the evil stuff. We've got to put on the godly stuff. And how do we get that? How do we get it? Because our goal is not just to win arguments, and our goal is not just to, to communicate effectively. Our goal, church, is to do the will of God. That's ultimately our goal. So how do we do that? We do that by receiving the word implanted. What is the word implanted? The word implanted is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not just the the gospel as far as the salvation, but literally, again, if, if you study this, I love this, there's so much here. He's really talking about the word of God, the gospel as it was given, the word of truth. But he's also talking about Jesus himself, who was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word is God. 
Jesus is God. So how do we receive this? He tells us in humility. In humility. Meekness is another great word we don't talk about much in our culture. Meekness. Meekness is the opposite of anger. Meekness, I've heard it described this way, is like a strong stallion that is restrained. Its power is restrained. Or think about all those cars that were here yesterday, Michael. I'm thinking about some of those could go 0 to 60 in like 1.2 seconds. I mean, you should have seen some of those yesterday. That's great. That power is great when it's harnessed and put in the way that it should go. That's meekness. Jesus was the ultimate display of meekness. The Bible tells us he could have called down legions of angels when he was about to be crucified to take him off the cross, and he could have had a field day and wiped everybody out that was around him with one snap of his finger. But he didn't did that. He didn't do that. It was power under restraint. That's called meekness. Meekness is when you and I have the ability on social media to go off and boom, 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 start slapping scriptures out there and smacking people upside the head spiritually that we go, whoa, 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 horsey. Do we restrain ourselves from doing that and go, okay, how should I communicate? How does Jesus want me to respond? Meekness, by the way, this is just, oh, this is so good. For me, I'm getting something out of this. I don't know if you are or not. Meekness is the product of wisdom. Which is why James started the scripture, this chapter, this passage saying, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So if you and I know anybody in our life that we would go, Wow, that is a meek person. I mean, they are super strong. Not just physically, but spiritually they're strong. But they come across as so gentle and so meek. If you know somebody like that, you know what I tell you? That is a wise person. Because they have the gift of wisdom. So church family, let me ask you this morning as we wrap up. How are you communicating? Is there anything that you need to put off? If you and I think that our culture is going to become any more... soft, or open to the things of God. Newsflash, probably not going to happen. I, I would suggest for some of us, myself included, as I've thought about this passage this week, I'm not saying change the message. The message never changes. The message of Christ never, 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 never changes. But my delivery... Might have to change a little bit. When I had the privilege yesterday to talk to some of these people out here that I didn't know who were here for a car show. As much as I love fishing, and I know some of you like fishing. I didn't walk up to them and go, man, let me tell you about this rod and reel I got. Because they would have gone, what? dude, are you, hello, look around. We're not at a fish expo, we're at a car show. So I've got to learn, as a guy who communicates all the time, I've got to be willing to learn how to more effectively communicate. And I would submit that you do too, if your concern is to do the will of God. And if your concern is to be a light in a world where people are, have already, a lot of them, come up with their own conclusions about what they think of Christianity. Listen, you and I know all their conclusions are wrong. You and I know they've gone to a faith community somewhere where they were ostracized. You and I know maybe they shared something in confidence with a Christian and the next thing that they knew it was on national television. You and I know those things like that happen. But you and I also know Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So how we communicate that is so critical in the culture in which we live. And I pray that God himself will give us the wisdom to communicate effectively. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray this morning for every friend that's here. What an opportunity we have in a culture that seems on the surface 
to be very angry. And God, to be very divisive. And, and even to be angry at the church, perhaps. But God, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think they are. I think they're mad and angry at what they think Christianity is. I think they're mad and angry at what they think the church is. And for the vast majority of them, Lord, perhaps they have gotten their assumption based on a lot of times how we communicate. Lord Jesus, we do not want to water down the gospel. And it is such a tug of war, it's such a balance to figure out what to say and how to say it and what words to use and what words not to use because our culture keeps changing words and redefining words. And the reality is we can almost always find somebody who wants to be offended. Because when we're offended, we don't have to be accountable. Lord, I pray for these friends in this place. Would you teach us how to communicate? To be quick to hear, slow to listen, slow to anger. Why is this important? It's important, God, because there's a culture of people that are destined for hell. If somebody can't communicate effectively and get their attention... And that's our responsibility. So please give us wisdom on how to do it. While you're quietly praying there in your seat, these steps up here this morning are are an, an altar, as they are every Sunday while we're meeting down in the Family Life Center. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to the word of God. And if your heart has been prompted, maybe convicted on how you're communicating. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. God has put them in your life for you to be able to communicate the truth of God. And this morning you would just say, oh God, I need your wisdom so that I say the right thing. Not that the pressure is on you, because God will give you the words, and ultimately it's up to Him. But you would just confess this morning that you want to be sensitive, and you want to have your eyes open and your heart open. And maybe this morning you'd come to the front and say, I want to pray for that person, that with the Holy Spirit's help to communicate, and the Holy Spirit's help at opening up their heart, and the opportunity that you trust that God will provide, you'll be able to share The message of salvation with them. Maybe for you this morning, that's what you need to do is just to come up and pray for that person. Maybe again, you failed in your communication. I know I have. Maybe even this week. And you need to confess and say, Lord Jesus, would you help me? Give me wisdom. Help me to put off and put on and receive the word that's been implanted in my soul. I don't know what the Lord wants you to do this morning, but we're going to stand while our musicians play and ask you just to respond as the Lord leads. And so, Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? They're going to quietly play, and if you need to respond, then I'll ask you to do that this morning, church. This is your altar, the altar of the Lord. It's open this morning. If you need to pray or if you need me to pray with you or share anything, we're, we're here this morning.
Lynn. Thank you, church, for your patience. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a minute, if you will. Thank you, Lynn, so much. Jeannie, Vicki, thank you. Folks, I, I know, I, I sense the Lord at work. If you need to slip out anytime we have a service, if you've got to go to work or do things, you will not offend me. But when God's working, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay. We're going to stay. And I know there are a lot of you, uh, I don't know, only God knows, but I sense there are some of you that have friends, family members, I do. The believers have just not communicated the right way. And as a result, they have said, forget God. Because believers are not a great representation. I'm not saying it's easy. It is difficult. Because there are some, there are some wicked things happening in our world. And in our flesh, we want to rise up and say, no! And I'm not saying we don't call out sin. But every time I read the scripture and I see what Jesus did, he got angry one time. I remember where he threw the tables upside down in the temple. There was right for that. But the vast majority of times, his response, and again, he was Jesus. <laughs> so he got it right 100% of the time. But oh, that we would learn from him. So I'm praying for a lot of you. I know you have family members. I do too. My heart breaks. Because the last thing I want to see is for them to spend an eternity away from the Lord. So I want you to know, as one of your pastors, we're, we're praying for you. Uh, hey, before we close in prayer and wrap up, uh, just real quickly, we don't have to pull those slides up unless you've got one or two and you want to throw up. Uh, I want you also to know something that our church uh, team and, and the staff have been thinking about and praying about as culture does continue to careen crazily out of control. Uh, we've been talking about this issue of security in our church. And uh, I remember growing up in our neighborhood, we never locked the door. The matter of fact, never shut the door. We had the screen door, it was open, and my mom and dad would come home from work. I was a latchkey kid. And they would come home from work knowing that there may be eight or ten other kids in the kitchen going through the food. And they just kind of, that was all right, that was culture. Folks, we're a long, long, long way from that. And uh, we have been talking as a staff and some of our leadership about ways to make sure that our church is safe. And so you're going to hear about some of those in the next few weeks. We'll be asking you for your input. Uh, there's no decision that's going to be made. This thus saith Jack. Okay, I just want you to know. But we are going to do things to protect our church and especially our children. And uh, if you're visiting, you may not know this, but we have a weekday program. And so we have children in our building almost every single day of the week. Um, we are a hot target for the enemy. I mean, I'm just, just saying. So we are ta talking about how to be safe as a church, what we need to do. Uh, uh, some of that you have seen with the way that we've rearranged. That was a part of our space issue for rearranging. That was some of the reasoning in that is to try to keep the children together. Entries and exits uh, and things like that we're talking about. Uh, I know in our church, if you don't know this, this may be newsflash for you, but I know we have some folks in our church who have CWPs, and uh, they are carrying on Sunday, and we know who those people are, and that's for all of our protection. Uh, there's been a heightened, um, a heightened situation in churches across the country. I don't have to tell you. You see the news, you know where the things like that have happened. So I just want to share real briefly this morning that we're going to be looking at ways to help our church be safer and be more secure. One of those ways you'll hear about in the next few weeks is um, we're going to be asking uh, those of you, our security team that's being put in place, we'll be asking those of you who have keys, uh, it'd be helpful to know who has a key to the, to the building. Um, there's been many times in the last few weeks where the last person that was here, the, we thought was the last person here, locked the door. And then somebody came by two hours later and the doors were all unlocked again. So that's not a good thing. That's not creating a safe place. So that's one thing we'll talk about. If you do have a CWP and you are caring, we're going to be wanting to know who is. Uh, we, don't want the, uh, we don't want Barney Fife episodes happening here, okay? Not knowing who's got something. Next thing you know, we're all pulling. It's a wild, wild west. You know, that would not make a good news report, so... I wanted to say that to see if you'd laugh a little bit. But we do want to be safe 
and we want to keep our church secure. So you'll be hearing about that in the next few weeks. And when we, this is going to take several months for us to flesh out. Uh, when we get some of that fleshed out, we'll be sharing that with you as a church family. But for many of you, especially those of you who have children, I wanted you to know it's, we have people walking around the church, even during the service, that are trying to make sure we're safe. All right? Love you. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget Disciple Life tonight. And anything I'm forgetting? All right. Well, let's stand up, and uh, I, know, I know for health reasons we're trying not to hold hands, but touch elbows maybe with somebody, and we'll try to be connected a little bit, and uh, let's have a closing prayer together. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for my church family. Oh, that a lot of people that I know who have said no to Jesus would show up on a Sunday morning here because they would change their mind. Would you do a work, Holy Spirit, this week in our lives? Would you use our communication to share the love of Jesus? In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day. Love you guys.